0: 97.5, 12.80, the zone in the Zone Sports Network. Hans Olsen, Scott Gerard, hands out. Craig Bullerjack kind enough to hang out with us. Uh, Back in the day, the three of us, well, I don't know how to describe it. We did a show kind of together. David Locke joining us. David, how are you?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. Locke,
2: man. I I, I only came on the show today with Scotty knowing that you were on the afternoon show, 1 o'clock.
1: So what did you think last night, Bowler?
2: Well, what I saw was um, a pretty rough first quarter, and you and I have discussed this multiple times over the course of the year. Dig a hole early, you got to dig out, and it's tough against uh, a pretty tenacious Clipper defense that I believe is taking it to another level, pushing the Jazz outside. I mean, I'm gonna, I am want to hear your take, but again, uh, the Jazz unable to get into the paint. Short shot clock. Uh, Donovan Mitchell can't do it by himself, and I thought the bench was totally suffocated and, what, 11 points? Uh, Clarkson eight. Um, Got to have a better effort than that, but then where do you get it really truly from? I mean, Joe usually sparks at second unit, but he's starting for, for Conley. So – it is what it is, and I don't think Mike's coming back anytime soon unless you've got some inside information, but um, that's what I kind of saw last night. You know, they won the second half, which is something, I guess, going forward, 60-50. to 50. I saw the floor open up a little bit last night in the second half. Maybe they bring that home, and, you know, maybe this just becomes a win at home, lose on the road, win at home, and you get it in seven. I don't know which way it's going, but the Jazz have got to play better.
1: So, uh, I've got a few thoughts. I mean, I, the big picture thought I would kind of just remind us all is that at the beginning of the year, if we are told you got to unseat the Clippers, beat the Clippers, the Lakers are out, you gotta, but you're but to have to do it in two out of three, and you get two of them at home. Like, we would have taken that from the very first day of the season, right? Like... If that was if that was what we're, our option was, we we would take that. Like so, this is you know it feels awful right now um, because they just waxed us something special. But I think if we really you know get into it, we we would be all right with this, this. would be this would be our you know this is a pretty good deal for us actually when it gets right down to it. So um, I think that that you know I think that that's the first thing I would say is that like. From that standpoint, this isn't as dire as it feels. Now, on the next level, I would say, you know, they played pretty unbelievable level of defense, and were suffocating. And I'm not entirely clear. Like I just rewatched the first half. I thought we were pretty disconnected. Um, and not as, you know, together as we usually are. But at the same time, I would also say that I, you know, they were pretty great. Like, they know where every one of our passes is going. They get to that spot. They're rotating amazingly. Like, even one of the opening possessions, the game, like Donovan drives and kicks the bogey. He should be wide open. And Reggie Jackson just rotates right to where he is. And then um, – there was another possession in which um Kawhi Leonard steals the pass and ends up going the other way on a pass back to Royce O'Neal and like on one level Royce O'Neal is not where he needs to take two steps to his right to improve that passing lane so that you can't you can't make that steal. On the other end, on that play alone, Kawhi Leonard like cut off the ball handler, stopped first roll and stole the pass back to Royce. So there's a little bit of tip in the hat and there's a little bit of like we've got to be better connected and better spaced we, we we have to be perfect it's clear we have to be perfect with our spacing to be able to make the passes we want to make
2: yeah david uh, i thought it was the best switching on ball and even man-to-man defense as they made multiple switches but they've gone zone at times yes but i thought you know, pushing out to the perimeter, but their switching defenses have been some of the best I've seen all year long against the Jazz. So, the other comment I wanted to ask you—I'm sure you heard post-game. And, and
1: let me can, can I jump in there because I think that's a great point, Bowler. Because when I rewatched Game Two, Ron and I were on the plane re-watch, and I, rewatching Game Two, and I kept showing Ron video plays of terrible switches, just awful switches by. The Clippers so you're exactly right Craig they changed what they're doing in how they're switching and it's a transformation from game two and it's super impressive
2: it is and I thought Quinn had a really strong comment last night on the mic up with TNT and I'm glad they were able to share it with us because it really gave us an insight on how he handles stress but he said look Right here, and he pointed to his head. You're in your heads offensively. And I think what that tells me, too, is, you know, David, they've got to go out and play free. They've got to go out and play basketball. Now, look, as we just said, defensively, you've got to find a way to to work your way through the defense and open the, and, and space, as, as Quinn talked about as well. But I thought it was really intriguing to me that he understood the fact that the Jazz were too much inside their heads of trying to figure it all out. Just go play the game. And I thought that was really intriguing uh, from my standpoint of watching that last night and hearing Quinn Snyder say that on the bench.
1: So I, I had not heard that yet, so thank you. That's great. There's two things to that that jump out. One is if we go back to the 21 straight misses, what the Jazz wanted to do in this series was play incredibly fast. They wanted to shoot 53s a game because they knew that if they got caught in the half court against their length, they were in a lot of trouble. And in the practices between Memphis and L.A., that's really, really, really what they focused on, was like, let it fly. And they took it to this in the first 21 misses, and they got frenetic, and they got a little overly rambunctious with it, and it didn't work. And they pulled back off that, When they almost need to go back to that. That playing free is actually almost playing reckless because when they're getting caught in the half court against the Clippers length, there are not very big passing windows and there aren't many rooms, much room. And as you said, Bowler Donovan's the only guy that can beat you one-on-one and that's too much of a burden. We just don't, Like, the thing that made us different all year long and all the talking points than the Atlanta Hawks, who won 60 games, was that we had three guys that could kind of beat you one-on-one and create opportunity, and we could have multiple guys beat you in the same possession. And the three were Conley, Donovan, and Clarkson. And right now, we almost – Jordan's not been great and hasn't been able to – You know they've made some changes that are darn good, and Kawhi Leonard and Patrick Beverly are now guarding George Clarkson. And to me, you know, so we don't have those guys. So we, so we actually do have to get back to almost a reckless abandonment of the way you're going to play and to shoot early. I'll give a lot of credit if I could take another angle here. The Clippers have made three or four adjustments that are great, and. What they've really done is it took them two games to figure it out, but they've learned how to playoffs without Mike Conley. So Kawhi Leonard guards Donovan and Paul George guards Boyan to open the game. We're on the wrong side of both those matchups. Donovan's doing a hell of a job with that. But that, that's tough. And then when the bench unit comes in, Patrick Beverly now guards Jordan Clarkson. Like they're matching those moves. And then when Donovan goes out of the game – they're bringing Zubak in, and they're switching one through five with Zubak because they know Joe Ingles can't beat you off the dribble, which is not Joe's fault. That's not what he does. But they know Joe will kill him if they play pick and roll and, and play it in the drop-fake style. And so they don't do it because Joe's too good at that. And so they switch with Zubak, and that allows them to play Zubak in and still be this one through five switching. They're very, very good adjustment, and I don't actually know the answers to them.
0: So let's just uh, let's just go glass <laughs> half full and just say Mike Conley's back in game. Mike Conley's back for game five, if he is and he's reasonably healthy and, and much of what we've seen from Mike Conley this year. How does that change who the Jazz are and what they can do?
1: Well, it changes a lot because it gets your rotations back to kind of where they were during the regular season and you get that end of first quarter, opening second quarter, you have multiple ball handlers on the floor at the same time. The real problem, when they're trapping Donovan, we actually really need somebody who can make plays with the ball in their hands in the middle of the floor and flash someone in the middle to be able to make a four-on-three in the middle of the floor. Right now, that's Brody, who's rolling. That's not going to work. Frankly, it's probably not Royce, though he's gotten better at it. Boyan, you really enjoy. You really want the corners to shoot. So if you have Mike on the floor, Mike could flash to that spot in the middle maybe and get that pass and make some plays out of that. It would give you another one-on-one ball handler to beat people off the dribble, and it would give you another shooter, and it might let you tighten your rotation a little
2: bit. Hey, David, uh, before you left L.A., did you – Since hear anything about Kawhi he says he said he was fine last night but I looked at the replays multiple times as did every Jazz fan Uh, I still saw instability when he landed what have you heard
1: I've heard you know more than I do I have not gone to that part of the game share more with what you saw
2: well he came down and it's rare to see. Well, Donovan, and when you, you always catches your eye, right, Scotty? When yeah. you see a player in his own mind, and the mind says, "Get off of it," and that's exactly what he did. But I just saw a, a leg just turn, and 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 it wasn't a natural landing. And you know, he didn't play the remainder of the game after that. And maybe again, you could say, well. The, you know, the Clippers had the game in hand. Uh, but at the same time, it didn't look natural to me. And he was asked so about it.
1: A, help me out here. There's a play where he, like, bangs knees, it looked like, with Royce or someone. And he goes back and he walks behind the basket. And yes. he kind of bends over. Like, at first I said, he's, I remember on the call, I go, he's fine. Oh, wait a sec, actually. He walked the next few steps. He's walking back there. He's bent over away from the basket. I don't know if they had that on TV or not. He then came back. Did he play any more plays after that, or did he I, check out immediately?
0: I think he was done. He was done. I don't done. remember him coming back after no, that.
2: No, he did. If if That is the play, David. And I just saw, even though if there is a knees that went, this, there was still a a landing or an instability from my, my viewpoint. Look, I could be totally wrong, but it didn't look stable to me. And he was asked about it. And of course, he said in his one-word answer, "I'm fine." Or is that two words? "I'm fine." So, <laughs> the bottom line is, you know, everyone's waiting to get a report from the Clippers today, and even the Jazz, Scotty, as or and, and um, uh, David, as we roll up on what 1:30, and we'll see probably by three or four o'clock today. Uh, and we'll get a report from both teams on the status of both Mike and, and Kawhi. If if there's any status <laughs> well, on Kawhi guessing, at all, I'm guessing
1: that Mike will be questionable, mild hamstring streak. Um And then, I mean, that's what he's been for the whole time. But every time Mike had his hamstring, it's been 14 days, so it's kind of my mindset on this whole. Thing. So I don't yep. know anything, but
0: and uh, we get t- something. Yeah. You're half
2: you're halfway through it. Yeah, right. T- you're half. You're just halfway through the uh, the 14 day no, wait. No,
0: tomorrow is 14 days.
2: Since he walked off in Game Five, yeah, has it been? Well, uh, well it's, it's been at
0: least fourteen days every
1: time.
0: Yeah, if this so is if that's... The... Then,
1: then we can drop the word. We can drop the word mild if he goes to fifteen days. How's
0: that? There you go. Hey, uh, I'm curious, and this is kind of a big picture question in terms of the uh, in terms of the NBA. But I mean, you're dealing with uh, you know obviously we see what's going on in, with Brooklyn, and then Joel Embiid doesn't look right, obviously, and. And he's dealing with his injuries. The Jazz have got theirs as well. Has there been? And I haven't seen any numbers on it. Um, but is has there? It feels like there's more. But sometimes you know you feel and then you see the numbers, and it's not lined up. So, but it feels like there's more soft tissue injuries this time in the playoffs than normally. You, is that the case in your opinion? You've heard anything? And if so, can you relate it to maybe the uh, compressed off season? Didn't Kevin Dalton and Baxter Holmes just do a piece
1: on this?
0: I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I haven't seen anything. Yeah, so I think I Kevin
1: Felton and Baxter Holmes just did a piece on this, and quite honestly, it's in my pocket, and I haven't read it yet. Um, Pocket's an app for those who don't have it. Um, so I have not read the article. Um, I think it's beginning to feel a little bit more. Um, I don't know. You know, last year in the bubble, I think this was an unnatural environment that actually led to help. So, frankly, Bam out of Bayou, and Drogic, and everybody else was hurt from Miami by the end of that. And, you know, so I think that there was – and Will Barton and Gary Harris and all them were hurt coming into the bubble. Um, so I think there were actually a lot of injuries last year we just forget. And I actually think there's a lot of this every year. This feels a little bit more significant because of the names, and it just – it seems like it, and we're playing it a little bit quicker playoff pace than usual um but i actually think the. i think there's two things i think one is i think this happens all the time and two i think we're just asking a tremendous amount more out of our players than we did 10 years ago 20 years ago and 30 years ago if you watch an old nba classic game Players aren't rotating, they aren't sprinting out, they aren't closing out, they aren't guarding anywhere near the same amount of room defensively. The spread force, three point shooting, rotation, all of those types of things are forcing players to play very differently on the defensive end where they have to rotate, go further distances, close out, change directions, and I think, you know, we're taxing the bodies at a maximum level because of
2: you know, and Dave, to your point, uh, Scotty and I were talking earlier as he looked back to the 97-98 finals, and you look at the scores were what, Scotty, 90 was pretty much the well, average no, for like, a win? And uh,
0: the, uh, the reason why, because somebody uh, tweeted at me and said, you know, John and Carl will never have a disappointing or an embarrassing loss like that. And I'm like, okay, you got to go oh, back geez. and look at the 98 finals and they yeah. scored 54 points. scored right, right, you know,
1: right. When they scored 56, 56 points?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what I was pointing out. But I was looking at, and Bowler and I were just kind of joking and having fun in that series, that NBA Finals. The Bulls scored ninety points twice. Nobody scored a hundred points at any point in that series. Uh, they were mostly in the eighties. The Bulls broke ninety twice in that series. And
2: I think that's to David's got- point: is look at look at the scoring. It's up thirty points for a winning ball for a winning team in, in a playoff series. I mean, plus you also what- look how much. The, the rules have changed, too, where you can't touch an offensive player. It's not as physical. Well, sometimes it is on their own accord, but not according to the rules. Uh, the offensive player has the ability to roam and score much easier than they had back in, uh, in the mid-'90s.
1: Do you have basketball reference up, Scotty?
0: I do. I'm looking at it right now.
1: What's the pace of play?
0: Um, do they have a series pace of play?
1: Oh yeah. So 80, just, no, no, 80, here it is. Oh, it,
0: it's, it's 82.
1: Okay. So this is the, no, this is really important. So I bet you were at a hundred last night? So if a game was 82 possessions, so really 160 possessions in 1995 or 96 to the, last night, they played 200. So in a five game series, we're now playing the same amount every five, every four games that we play, we're playing the same amount of up and down the court they did in five.
0: Wow. That's a great point.
1: You know why? This is actually just to share. One of my, like, only times I ever saw an A in high school was I did a math project on the Warriors' injuries under Don Nelson because they were running all the time and they were playing more possessions than anyone else. So I did a whole math word problem on the amount of injuries they were having, and it was because they were actually playing the equivalent of 10 or 12 more games than the rest of the league.
2: David, 77 possessions for both the Jazz and oh, the Clippers God. last night. No, no, that can't be right. Yeah, well, 77 field goals. I'm sorry, 77 right. yeah, field I know. goals. Possessions yeah. has to be... Possessions
1: have to be about 95 to
2: 100. I would agree. Probably, yeah, about 200 combined. But, yeah, they both had 77 possessions in the sense of attempts, field goal attempts.
1: Right. Then you have free throws, and you add in subtract offensive rebounds, or depending on how you do it, and you add turnovers as well. So 77 shots, free throws is times 0.44, and then you add turnovers, and then you have how many possessions you have. If you want trips across half court, you subtract offensive rebounds.
2: Yeah, Jazz put up 42 threes off those 77 shots and 37 uh, three-point attempts off the 77 uh, shots I mean, or three points by by the Clips.
1: This, this is our other problem is we're, we're wanting to have a mass advantage of three-point shooting, but because they're playing five wide, Rudy's going to have an impact. The only way Rudy has an impact is he leaves the three-point shooter open and then they're getting three-point shots. And it's making, and they're the best three-point shooting team in the league. So we're not going to be able to have a math advantage against them on the three-point line unless we get almost reckless with our three-point shooting and take 50 of them a game, like we did in game one. And I actually think that's the answer. We have to have that math advantage, but we can't. We were the number, you know, one or two team in the league at denying threes. And I don't know that we can deny them enough threes because with their spread four, when Kawhi or Paul George drives, if we don't have a guy stay in front of them, Rudy's got to sag in and make a play at the rim. And then once he does that, those guys are six, eight, six nine, they're able to throw out the other three-point shooters, and then you have the number one catch and two three-point shooting team. They're really good. You know, I mean, I, the team I watched in the first quarter last night, that was as dominating – a playoff performance as the old bulls, the Warriors, they they put their staff on the game in a really impressive fashion the first quarter. They're really good.
2: Hey David, before we go, I know Scotty, we gotta hit a clock, right? But how was it being live in an arena for the first time in fifteen months?
1: It was awesome. And was just you could call the game, you could do your job. Even to that last comment I just made, Bowler, I just don't think you could feel it unless you were in that arena last night. How much they were swarming, how fast they were moving, how much they were—in fact, I couldn't feel it on television. I was glad when I watched it, rewatched it this morning on the plane. I was glad that I had been there to feel it. You, their, their movement, their length, their their force that they played with was just—you could feel it in such a different way in the in the building uh, last night. You know, not to mention there's just all the things you can actually see and how you call it and queens inter players or. Donovan and Quinn holding a conversation as Donovan sits on the scorer's table after he checked out of the game and stayed there for about a minute with Quinn. Just the things you can feel and see and let you do your job. It was wonderful to be able to do it. I hope you did it justice. It was, it was really great. It's not, you know, we're not back to normal per se on a personal level. I think you would agree with me that the best part about being an announcer and part of the team is that thrill of of taking the bus into the arena and walking in from underneath the arena, that, that moment to me, I've, I've cherished it. Every time I've ever gotten to do it, I think it's one of the really special parts about being a part of it is when you walk in, you enter on the bottom floor of the arena and you come in that way. I, I I just get a huge thrill out of that. And, you know, that's not there. Um, The way it once was, that's fine. Being able to do your job correctly was a wonderful thrill um, and, you know, in contrast to what we've all battled through this year.
0: David, always a pleasure, man. Thanks for your time. And uh, hopefully, we're talking next week about a uh, Western Conference Finals appearance.
1: That would be great. It would be, you know, we got two, we got to find a way to win two. We got two of them at home. We get an absolutely fabulous team, probably the best team all year long. Uh, the Western Conference, when they've been at full strength and we're kind of the team we all thought, at least I did, take from the beginning of the year. So let's see what we can do to them. See if, we can, see if we can upend
0: them. David Locke right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.